You're listening to the Phillies Nation podcast with Ty Daubert and Johnny Heller on philliesnation.com. What is going on, everybody? This is the Phillies Nation podcast. I'm your host, Ty Daubert. We're coming at you with a brand new episode. Pitchers and catchers have reported for the Philadelphia Phillies. Joe Girardi has most of his squad down in Clearwater, and I guess that really signals that it is baseball season. So we're very excited to come at you guys with the first episode of baseball season, you could say. But before we get into everything, I want to introduce my co-host, Johnny Heller, to you all. Johnny, what is going on, man? You said it, Ty. It's baseball season. Baseball's back. Nothing else matters at all. Nothing else. It's amazing. The next, what, eight months of our lives are going to be fully consumed by baseball, and that's just a wonderful thing. Um, You know, we started the podcast in October, so that we never really got to record while the you know Phillies were playing baseball. So I'm really excited for all of it. It's going to be awesome. Yeah, like you said, off-season stuff has definitely been fun, but I'm looking forward to discussing some actual baseball. We'll have that for you guys at the end of the month, I guess, is when the games start for spring training. But for the time being, as pitchers and catchers report, we still have some off-season-ish stuff for you guys, some rumors, some some reports, and some signings. So that's what we're going to get into today on this, on this uh, episode. So the first thing we wanted to talk about was a report on the Chris Bryant rumors. This is from Megan Montemuro of The Athletic, basically saying that the Phillies and the Cubs do not see themselves as um, really a match for... A Chris Bryant trade, but Johnny, I want you—I want you to tell me what you think of the report and maybe go into a little detail for everybody, just so they understand what all it was saying. Yeah, I mean, what Montemuro said makes a lot of sense. Uh, we've talked about it on the pod a, a couple times. It's you know the Phillies had an opportunity to add um, really good third baseman in the off season. In, like in Anthony Rendon, and they didn't do that. And, um, you know, it, it shows that they're probably just not willing to pay, um, you know, a core of three or four players all, you know, $25, $30 million a year. They're already paying Harper and Wheeler. They're going to start paying JT Real Muto, assuming he gets the extension um, soon. And, and what Montemir was saying is basically the team wants to be able to supplement these players with guys from the farm system. And when you look at what a trade for Chris Bryant might cost you, you're looking at probably two of Alec Boehm, Spencer Howard, and Scott Kingery. And that does two things that adds to your pay a lot to your payroll, um, which can maybe prevent you from doing other things you want to do down the road. And then you're getting rid of the, the chief talent that you have, you know, the Phillies farm system isn't great. And, you know, they have a couple guys in Boehm and Howard, but Montemir said basically they they don't have enough talent that that is a risk that they're willing to take. She mentioned that they would the team would be willing to go over the luxury tax for Chris Bryant and that like that's something he's a player that ownership would be willing to do that for, but the Phillies just can't afford to do that because if they trade, you know, some of those young assets, what do they have left? What what else is gonna come up? Um, they'd just be paying a lot of money to a, a small group of guys and then 
you know, if you have no cheap talent, how are you going to be able to round out the rest of the roster in the future? Yeah, and the the point that you touched on and we've definitely touched on before is that if the Phillies were actually in on Chris Bryant and a deal was super likely, why would they not have just been in on somebody like Josh Donaldson or Anthony Rendon that you could have gotten for just money and you wouldn't have to give up any prospects? I think that kind of signaled early on that they would not truly be in on somebody like Chris Bryant. Of course, they're going to check in on everybody, uh, like just like they did last season when they were not super in on Real Muto, and then the price dropped to a point where they felt comfortable going after him. But it, it's still the point range true that they, uh, it just didn't seem likely that something like this would, would happen because, like you said, it, it is tough to have a core of four, five guys all making over $20 million and to still be able to round out the rest of the roster, just like you said. Yeah, it's and also Montemir mentioned this, that Bryant has two years left on his contract, and while, you know, you would assume trading for him, you're building a winning team that, you know, he would maybe like to stay and that you have an upper edge in, in giving him an extension, that's not a guarantee. He'd probably want to hit at least hit free agency, um, and a player like that is going to get a lot of money in free agency. I mean, you just look at what Machado and Harvey got and what, you know, Garrett Cole and Anthony Rendon got, you're basically going to have the Harper contract already. And then either way, you're giving Brian a ton of money or someone else is paying him to leave. So it's just a risk the Phillies aren't willing to take, especially considering they have, they'd have to part with some of the only young talent in the organization, which, I mean, that lends itself to a whole different issue. But yeah, I mean, the, the Phillies aren't going to trade for Chris Bryant. It's just not, it's not in the cards. Yeah, definitely not in the cards at this point. But like you said, they do have some young talent that looks like it is on the verge of going into the major leagues in Alec Bohm and Spencer Howard. Specifically, Alec Bohm is somebody who is is a potential bat that could be in the middle of the lineup as soon as this season. And if you're not going to get Chris Bryant... The Phillies at least hope that he can replicate replicate some of that production. So that'll be something interesting to watch. And yeah, and it, just one more thing uh, before we move on. Just like when you look at what it would take to get Bryant, if you if the Phillies would have to give up um, Bohm and Kingery, that they have no insurance for in case of like injury anywhere. Whereas, you know, if they have Bowman Kingery, you've talked, this has been a point you've made a couple times. If you have Bowman Kingery um, available, let's say Hazley struggling in center, then you can just call up Bowman, play him at third, put Kingery in center. If Kutch re- gets re-injured, you can just put Kingery in left, call up Bowman. Um, if you trade both of those guys for Bryant, what is your depth? It's, it's Roman Quinn, like, and Jay Bruce, that's not really as good. And I think, you know, that's, like we said, that the Phillies just really, they need those guys because they don't really have much depth at all in the minor leagues or any, anywhere, really. Yeah, that's a, that's a really good point and something that I have tried to make clear before. And Bohm being able to at least stick in there at third 
if anything goes wrong so Kingery can move around, I think is pretty important for this team, at least for the time being, until maybe Kutch is gone or they move Kutch to a different team, something like that, until they can move Bohm away from third into left or maybe first base if they want to try the Hoskins experiment out in left field again. Or They should. They should. It's That's what I'm saying. It's, it's so fun. Weird. Yeah, it's so weird. Which is which is good. That's a good brand of baseball. Yes. Um, but like like we said, I I think that Alec Bone being able to stick a third and having Kingery that that helps the team a lot if things were to go wrong. I was doing some digging the other day, looking around at numbers and. Statcast and Baseball Savant released the outs above average tool for infielders pretty recently and looking at DD Gregorius's numbers he last year he was I believe in the first percentile of all shortstops in outs above average and over the last few years he's just been ranked very poorly by that metric and he also does not get on base very often he so Didi Gregorius is somebody that I know we both said earlier in the offseason we think they should get, but the more digging I, I do, the more skeptical I am, and it is only a one year, and he's not making a ton of money, and th- the pop will probably pay, and maybe that could make it all worth it, but there are definitely concerns, so if they do not get the production from shortstop that they had hoped they're in a decent position with Scott Kingery being able to play shortstop and moving Bowman to third up so he could play third base. And I tweeted this out like last week, I think, but Scott Kingery is probably the best defensive shortstop on the team. Yeah, I I agree with that. And I think at one point in the offseason, Klintak said something along the lines of Scott Kingery is the best defender at, at four uh, positions on the diamond on the team, which is... It's definitely accurate for three, for center, second, and short. I think third is his worst defensive position, but I don't know who on the roster really is better. Um, is there but, is there any situation where Scott Kingery is the opening day shortstop, do you think? No, I don't think so. Here's what I was going to ask. I mean, unless obviously unless Gregorius is injured in spring training or something. Yeah, no, I, I how, was saying no injuries. For how long would Gregorius have to struggle, like really struggle for before they made the move to bench him and, and name someone else the everyday shortstop? Because that's the guy that you, that's like your, your big free agent addition in, in the, as a position player wise, you gave him what, $14 million. Like that's, that's your guy. And, and how long would he have to struggle for before they made that decision? I feel like it has to be, a while it wouldn't yeah. be something they, they do early yeah and I think they knew the I, I don't think they'd be willing to bench him right away especially because they they knew the risk of this signing going in too because of the injury and everything like that and you know he's Girardi's guy and he's spoken very highly of him on both on the field and as a leader and, and things like that so I think I think it would have to really go downhill for Gregorius to ever be benched I would I would think yeah I'm not that worried I I know like you said like maybe he's not as good a defensive shortstop as people say and he's not a great OBP guy but he was 
really, really good. He was like a top five offensive shortstop in 2017 and 2018. And obviously last year he was coming off an injury, so that kind of derailed the whole thing for him. You don't know how much of an impact it had on him at the plate. He he wasn't nearly as good as he was the years prior, but you don't know, you know, is he going to be back to where he was or was 2019 DD the new the new DD? So I guess that's something, a risk the Phillies were willing to take and something that We'll see if it works out. Yeah, and you know, I think I think he's still gonna have some pop, and maybe, like I said, the defense may not be as good as they might have hoped, and he doesn't get on base a ton, like I mentioned. But I think at minimum, especially because of the dimensions of the park they play in, I think he'll hit some home runs at the very least. But also at the same time. Freddie Galvis in 2016 (laughs) hit like 20 home runs and didn't get on base at all, but at least he played good defense. So maybe they, maybe they could have gotten better elsewhere. Who really knows? (laughs) Oh man. (laughs) (laughs) Freddie Galvis was good last year. Like legitimate. I mean, he wasn't good, good, but he, he was actually kind of good. Yeah. He would, he he would help on the bench. He was pacing Bryce Harper in home runs until, like, the beginning of August when Bryce Harper actually started to hit. Um, That, too, that's just random. That's something people forget about last season. Like, until the beginning of August, Bryce Harper and JT Real Muto were, like, complete disappointments. I mean, obviously, Real Muto was pretty good behind the plate, but they, both of them really didn't hit until, until the beginning of August, and... You know, I mean, at one point, Carson Kelly's OPS was like 50 points higher than Real Muto's. And it was like the middle of July. Like, yeah, they, they both got super hot at the end of the year. They got so hot. And they the team didn't win at all. It's crazy. Yeah. They got hot. Meanwhile, Aaron Dole is losing his last seven starts to the season. Like, what is going on? What happened? I mean, you look at, I mean, Scott Kingery didn't hit. Reese Hoskins didn't hit. Gene Zagura didn't hit. I don't remember. Cesar was like maybe average, but he didn't really hit that well. So it was just Harper and Real Muto tearing the cover off the ball. Obviously, Brad Miller the last two weeks tearing the cover off the ball, but elsewhere was just that's when silent. What a what a weird era the Gabe Kapler tenure was. Both seasons were so odd. <laughs> yeah. All right. Did you see the the Pakota predictions? Um, I saw them. Didn't it predict the Phillies at, like, 78 wins? Yeah, so this is the, the baseball pro- prospectus. I guess they their model is they do every before every season. And I think it's generally pretty conservative. So no one – they don't have anyone losing less than – or winning less than 68 games. I think the highest win was the Yankees at 99, unless they might have the Dodgers higher. But anyways, so it's it's pretty conservative. But they had the Phillies at 77 wins, I think. Can you it was seventy seven or seventy eight. I think there's no was, chance that happens. If if they won seventy seven games, like the Gabe apologists will just like come out of the woodwork. It'd be hilarious. It'd be a great time on the internet. What would what would have to I think that they dealt with you know, obviously the the stars in Harper, Rio Muto, and Nola all stayed healthy for the most part. Last season, there was some, you know, some bang-ups, but the, those three stayed healthy. 
But what else would have to go wrong? It felt like everything went wrong last season, and they still won 81 games. What would have to happen for them to win 77 or 78? I don't... I I uh, get... like It's a very conservative um, model, like you said, but I... I cannot see that happening. Yeah. I mean, they also had the Braves at, like, 83 wins. <laughs> and the Mets at 88. I don't, I don't know. It, I mean, I'm always high on the Mets. I think the Mets are going to be good this year, but still. A little wonky. And honestly, as far as what would have to go wrong for the Phillies, I think the the single worst thing that, that could happen to the team would be a JT Real Muto injury. Just because... They can't handle that. They, they, they can't. I mean, Andrew Knapp is a serviceable back, serviceable backup, and the pitching staff likes him. But if he's if he's catch him and Gruyon are are catching all the games, that's I mean, they would have to they'd have to do what they did in 2018 and make a trade. I would I would say. Yeah, I agree with that because the, there's no way. Be, you know, like everyone everyone knows that I tend to think that Andrew Knapp is a fine backup and everything. But this team could not stay afloat if Rio Mito got hurt, especially early on. Yeah, and yeah, I mean, a, an injury to Wheeler and Nola would hurt too, and like an injury to Har- Bryce Harper would hurt. But they're at least a little bit. I mean, they don't really have great depth in terms of starting pitching. But like you said, Rio Mito, an injury to him would just sink the team. Yeah, right because away. essentially, not to oversimplify it, but you're basically taking, what, what would you say Real Mito's minimum if he's healthy? I say at minimum, he's like a four, three and a half, yeah. four win player. Yeah. And you're replacing him with a replacement level player to below replacement level player. So like that would just, it would not go well. It would not go well at all. Yeah, I agree. So yeah. so as we make the point that they can handle injuries in almost every position because of Bohm and Kingery, catcher is the one spot where they cannot afford for someone to get hurt and that someone being JT Realmuto. You're telling me that Harper can't get back behind the plate? Remember remember <laughs> last year when somebody dug up when, when Gabe Kapler was a media pers- personality and he wrote a column or something saying that the Nationals should put Bryce Harper at catcher and somebody... Wait, really? Yeah, somebody read it back to him during the season <laughs> once they got Harper and then um, <laughs> Gabe was like, yeah, um, no, I'm not going to do that. <laughs> uh, <laughs> like, it, it was pretty That's funny. Awesome. I don't know how you don't remember That's that. Awesome. That was... Yeah, it. I, I don't, but I wonder how good Harper would be behind the plate. He has a good arm. A good arm. You also don't He's know. He's pretty like, athletic. He's in shape. I feel like he could handle it. I don't know. Like, everybody, everyone can play high school, and any good MLB player could probably play Could probably play junior college catcher or whatever, even though he went to a good junior college. I, I just doubt that he'd be good at it. And especially the Phillies, they're a good catching coach. He went to the Chicago Cubs, so uh, maybe in the past they could have taught Bryce Harper how to frame, but I doubt it now. Yeah, well, oof. All right, Andrew Knapp in the last, what, week and a half of last season after Rio Muto was done for the year, Andrew Knapp hit pretty well once he was playing every day. Yeah, I it does feel that way. Maybe that's fake. Maybe, maybe that's just, like, confirmation it's bias or something. Most, 
most definitely fake. But it does but, feel like when he plays more and gets in um, sort of a groove, he can start to hit a little better. When he yeah. played a good amount in 2017, he was pretty good. And then at the end of the year when he uh, when he got some at-bats, he looked pretty good. And I think Matt Klintak mentioned that earlier this offseason as well. Yeah. yeah. Um, that'll that spiral in a weird direction, but the next point that we wanted to talk about was the Phillies added their, I believe, 70th or 71st player into camp when they signed Tommy Hunter. I believe it was Todd Zalecki who had that deal first. So Tommy Hunter is someone who I said the Phillies should consider bringing back. I My point about Tommy Hunter is, of course, he's getting older and he has been hurt. But he, when he pitched for the Phillies in 2018, he was good. And he has good splits against left-handed batters. And in a post-lefty one-out guy, Major League Baseball, I think a pitcher like that is incredibly important, somebody who can get both sides out. And I think Tommy Hunter, if it, you know, taking a flyer on him, even though it was a Major League contract, apparently, they... If, if he's not good in spring training or he doesn't look good or whatever, they could still send him down to AAA. And it, it's kind of a very low-risk, high-reward type of thing because if he's healthy, he could really help this team. Yeah, I mean, he was – I think he was handling – I mean, obviously, Sir Anthony Domingos was really the high-leverage guy, but Tommy Hunter was handling the eighth inning at points during the 2018 season. I think he struggled early on, but yeah, the as second, the season went along. The second half of 2018, he was really good. Yeah. Um, I think everyone was a little surprised that it was a major league deal uh, just because there are a lot of question marks after he was injured for most of last season. Um, Only pitched, like, what, five innings? I think it was five Uh, and a third. All scoreless, though. hmm? Best best single season ERA in uh, Phillies history. Minimum Minimum of five and a third. third. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, there I, guess, I guess that's true. So, yeah, I mean, do we know the number? Do we know how much he's getting? Mm, I didn't see anything. I don't know if it's even official. But listening back, uh, I was listening back to what you had to say about Tommy Hunter earlier in, on one of the episodes, because I remember you talked about him, and you said, you might have said in your ideal offseason that you would sign him to a one-year, one-and-a-half million-dollar deal. And... It's probably going to be something like that, maybe even less money. Uh, but it's it's. I agree. It's a good signing. He was really good in 2018. He was really good in 2017. He was really good in 2016. So three out of the last four years, he was really good. And like you said, super low risk, could be pretty high reward. There are a lot of question marks, I think, in the bullpen. Um, but adding someone like him is definitely a good move. Yeah, and I think their idea with the bullpen is sign a lot of veterans and hope two to three are okay. And I think the odds of that happening are decent at the very least. And then if less are not very good, they have some young guys that they like in the likes of Brogdon and Clevenger and and guys like that that they think could supplement the bullpen. But they're going to take some chances on those veteran guys who cost them next to nothing. 
because why not? If if somebody can show yeah. something, there's no reason not to just go ahead and sign them. Yeah, and I think last year, heading into the season, a lot of people looked at the, the bullpen as a position of strength because you had, obviously, David Robertson um, as their big signing. You had Pat Neshek and Hunter as the guys who were signed the year before and who both had pretty good 2018s. And then Sorrenthe Dominguez, Victor Arano. Um, you know, it looked like a pretty good uh, set bullpen. Um, and then... Obviously, by the middle of May, everyone was hurt, and they had to call up J.D. Hammer and um, Edgar Garcia, yep. and you know, it it just kind of all went downhill. But because they didn't have young guys ready, and this year, like you you mentioned, all those all those minor leaguers who are now ready, um, if they need them, I think they're. A lot better set for in case guys aren't healthy. Maybe you know Dominguez gets injured, or, or maybe Hunter doesn't work out, or maybe Arano doesn't work out. Um, they're pretty well set up, I think, in terms of depth, better than they were last year. Even though last year they might have had a little more, you know, top tier talent, or at least it looked that way heading in. Yeah, I agree with you there, and I just wanted to mention J.D. Hammer was designated for assignment by the Phillies, and nobody claimed him, so he is back with the Phillies. So J.D. Hammer is back with the organization, just not on the 40-man roster as of right now. Um, But yeah, Hunter was their last bullpen acquisition, and somebody who will be reporting to spring training pretty soon, I would guess. Uh, The last thing we wanted to really talk about... One more thing before we move on quickly. Are you surprised they didn't add a single, like, they have zero starting pitching non-roster invitees? Does that surprise you? No. No? Not really. I I don't know. Drew Smiley pitched, like, started, like, 11 games last year. I don't know. It just doesn't really shock me. I think they got Wheeler and they were kind of, done it seemed like they weren't even super in on anybody else so uh, yeah i mean i don't know the con- the contract I, what, what like drew smiley got four million dollars guys were getting i think paid a lot of money relative to what guys have gotten paid in the past and relative to how guys have performed so uh, maybe what what non-roster mvt was out there for cheap that was even going to give you much better than what vince velasquez is yeah, I mean, I guess you're right. I'm just surprised. Really, for me, it goes back to the fact that Drew Smiley started 11 games for them last year, or however many he started, and they didn't... Like, that's the kind of guy... Obviously, he got signed for a major league contract, but that's the kind of guy you would think they would take a chance on just in camp and maybe as a a body down in AAA during the season for de- as depth, but I guess they're comfortable with, like you said, Velasquez as the fifth starter, and eventually um, Spencer Howard will be ready. And obviously, you know, maybe it's Nick Pavetta as the fifth starter or Ranger Suarez, one of those guys. Yeah, um, I, I think Howard being close has to do with that as well because I think they figure at least at some point he's going to be up. Yeah, makes but, sense. But like I was saying, the last thing we wanted to talk about with everyone was we wanted to give some predictions or takes about what we think could happen this spring. We're just going to give a couple kind of predictions about 
what spring training could look like and who could win certain positions and other things like that. So this is kind of our more fun segment, I would say, just uh, kind of throwing some things out there. So, Johnny, why don't you go first with a prediction for Philly's spring training? Yeah, I think uh, Nick Pavetta is going to win. The competition between him and, and Vince Velasquez and Ranger Suarez and whoever else is in uh, the mix to be the fifth starter. Uh, Pavetta's worked, he worked a lot this winter uh, with guys from who work with his, his agent. Uh, Lucas Giolito is one of them. I think they worked on a changeup together. I think I remember reading that. And Pavetta worked on his mechanics a lot. I just think he's the guy that the stuff is clearly there. He was like really good in 2018. Other than one stretch where he was actually horrible in 2018, he was really good. And although last year happened, I think if Nick Pavetta comes out and has a really strong spring training, uh, he can he has more upside as a starter than Velasquez does. I think we've, I don't know if we've necessarily seen Velasquez's complete upside as a starter, but he's more limited in that he hasn't really shown the ability to ever get through the, you know, past the second time through the order. And I think Pavetta has better stuff. And I think that the Phillies would be better suited um, long-term if Pavetta can become, you know, reach his potential as a starter so if he can show out in camp, I think he, he wins that spot. I'm going to completely go against you there. I think Valenc- I think that Vince Velasquez wins this job. This organization seems to always lean Velasquez for whatever reason that is. You saw even last season Nick Pavetta struggled in just a few starts and was quickly sent down to AAA. And Vince Velasquez stayed in the major leagues for the whole year. Um, I, I just think that they like something about what Velasquez has to offer, and they feel like they have a grasp of what to expect from him. And I don't, I don't disagree that Pavetta has a higher ceiling and more upside. And if I was the manager, I don't know who I would go with at this point. But I, I just have a feeling that they're going to go with Velasquez on this one. Yeah, I disagree, but we'll see. I just, although Pavetta had a really good spring last year, and, and then, it meant nothing, and yeah. and he showed last last spring was weird because he showed things in spring training that he never even pulled out in the regular season, like messing around with uh, a changeup and and things like that that almost disappeared once the regular season came about. So, who really knows? Like spring training results do not really mean anything. And we're going to forget that once the games start being played. I can almost guarantee that. But, yeah, I just think that – I think Velasquez is going to win the job. I guess we'll see. Um, obviously, I disagree, but we'll see. All right, my, my other prediction, it's a little bolder. Um, I have some reasoning for it. I see why it wouldn't happen, but I don't care. I'm going with it. Alec Bohm makes the roster out of spring training. Opening day roster, he's starting at third base on opening day. Scott Kingery in center field. I think that the team, like, for this to happen, Bowman has to be able to really hit in spring, which I think he's certainly capable of. And if that happens, I think there's going to be a lot of pressure from the fan base to on the organization to just, you know, 
try to to win as soon as they can. And I think Alec Bohm is a lot more of a threat in the lineup than Adam Hazley would be. And as we've seen before, the the front office they, they really respond to pressures from the fans. Um, and I think if Bohm has like a 950 OPS in the spring and is playing really well, I think there's going to be a lot of pressure. And like I said, he's that he he's a better bat than Hazley. I know he's never even played a game in AAA, but I still think um, it's pretty reasonable a pretty reasonable conclusion to think that he he would be better at the plate than Hazley and more of a threat in the Phillies lineup. And I think he'll play well enough in spring that it'll happen and he'll he'll make the team. Yeah, it makes you think of the last Phillies prospect to hit really well in spring and make the fans call for him to make the roster. That certain player then had a historically awful rookie season. So, you know, maybe yeah. that that player being Scott Kingery. I'm not saying it's the same thing. It just reminded yeah. me of that. It, it just shows Alec how... Bo- it, Alec Bohm's approach is just unreal. Like, his... The fact that he only strikes out, I think his K percentage is in the low teens, and his his walk percentage is like eight or nine percent. It's he's a legit just, hitter. I was I was just playing yeah. with that king. No, I, I know, I know. I just think he's the kind of guy that yeah, he might struggle a little bit, but I think he can make the transition somewhat smooth. He's yeah. just so good. He's so good. Yeah, the, I think the question is definitely way more his defense than his bat, but. Um, my final prediction for spring training, this is another kind of bold one, going off your bold one. I think this one's going to catch you off guard a little bit, but I would say by March, Brad Miller will be in Philly's spring training camp. Do you believe this? Are you just saying this? Or, or what, what's going on, Ty? No. No, no, no. I think it's going to happen. I think once the, I think once the um, arbitration cases are done, I think they're going to pick him up. I, so the, I guess the thing is that's been reported way early in the offseason is that he was looking for a starting job. I think that's pretty much off the table, right? Like he's not going to yeah, start. Yeah, he's anyway. not going to start anyway. So now it's just a matter of where he ends up. And sure, I'm sure they'd love to have him back. He's better. He'd be the best. You've, me and you were talking about this the other day. He'd be the best guy on the bench instantly. He would be the best third baseman on the roster instantly, yeah. on the major league Ar- roster, assuming arguably make it. Arguably, his 2016 was better than anything D.D. Gregorius did in 2017 or 2018, although I think that's not actually true. I think Gregorius was a little better, but Brad Miller had 30 home runs as a shortstop in 2016, so... I, I think that. you you tweeted this um, a, a lineup with Scott Kingery in center field and Brad Miller at third is much better than a lineup with Scott Kingery at third and Adam Hazley in center. Yeah, I don't I don't think it. I mean, what like what does Hazley give you? Um, I guess he he sees the ball pretty well, but very limited pop. Um, you know, he's just. He was fine in in 2019, but he also had like a 7.30 OPS, and everyone was walking away with that thinking, I don't know. I think we are collectively pretty high on Adam Hazley, and I don't know if that's... Yeah, I I think what we saw in a small sample size could 
not be what he is going to produce going forward in a little bit bigger of a sample size. Yeah, I agree. Is there, is there it, anyone? He's super what? young too, so yeah, uh, I would true. not expect a. What he, was he like a three win player in limited playing time last year? Like I would not. He expect wasn't a. That. He was. I think he was like a one and a half or two. I don't think he was even a two win player. I think he was like a one win player, but it paced out to you know. Yeah, yeah, on pace to be a three win player. Yeah, Sorry. Yeah, yeah. No, you're good. Um. One last question, I guess, before we wrap things up. Is there anyone specifically that you're excited to watch um, once once these games start getting underway in spring training? Um, someone I'm interested to watch. That's a good question. I think Nick Pavetta is somebody who's interesting to watch to see how they handle him. Uh, it's kind of a, a basic answer because, you know, a lot of people are interested in seeing what he can do. There's been a lot of hype. There's been uh, a lot of skepticism as well. So he's one of the he's one of the more intriguing cases of somebody on this on this roster, I would say. Um, also, Sir Anthony Dominguez to see if he pitches, how much he'll pitch, um, and and what he can offer the Phillies. That'll be something to to follow as well. Yeah. I like those answers. I think for me, I mean, I agree with you. Those are two guys who have, you know, been on the major league team before. Who definitely interesting to see how they look early. Uh, I, you know, you cover the minor league teams a lot. You did last year, so you've seen a lot of these guys play in person. I have not really been able to watch um, a lot of these minor league pitchers pitch, and I'm I'm excited to watch. I know you're high on Garrett Clevenger. I'm excited to see how he looks, Connor Brogdon, um, and then obviously see how Spencer Howard looks. I, uh, who, how much is he going to pitch? I don't think it'll be a true. lot. That's true. That's true. Probably won't be a lot at all. Um, but, yeah, that'll be something definitely to follow and to see what his progress is like and if he'll be up at the start of the year. Probably not, but just seeing where, where he is at this point. That's something to watch. Who, a lot of interesting stuff. Who's up first? Boehm or Howard? Um, Boehm. I agree. Yeah, I think Boehm. I think they're both definitely up at some point this season. By June, they're up. They're both up. Yeah? I don't know. I think I think Howard could take a little longer. When's the last time? I guess Hoskins was the last. Well, no, Kingery was the last prospect to be. Well, he wasn't really called up midseason. No, he made the I mean, like, roster. Yeah, so, I mean, the last highly touted, obviously Hazley came up this year, but in terms of highly touted guys, I mean, none of, like Hoskins and Hazley weren't really as, as highly ranked as Howard or, or Bohm really are. Yeah. Um, so, it's pretty exciting. No, for, Nola? Yeah, that's what I was thinking, Like Like too. top 50-ish type prospect? Maybe yeah. Maybe Kingery and, and Hoskins ended up there at some yeah, point? Yeah, I think... I remember Hoskins being like in the fifties or sixties, but I could be wrong. But yeah, I also I uh, also remember when Hoskins and and uh, Dylan Cousins were in Double A. Like, I remember some p- people were higher on Cousins, and it's just crazy to see how that turned out. Yeah, he strikes out so much. So much. <laughs> but but yeah, not to make this a Dylan Cousins podcast, but always good to mm-hmm. talk about some old Phillies minor leaguers. I just thought, future Tampa Bay Ray stars. So. I I just thought about Dominic Brown's major league debut, 
when he hit a double off the wall that probably could have been a triple maybe, but he thought it was gone, and so did I, so I don't blame him for not running it out. Fair enough. Yeah, it's exciting. Yeah, exciting. baseball's back. Baseball is definitely back. We're back. For sure. Um, I can't say, maybe we're not really back because we've never done a pod during the season, but it'll be a very different experience, but something that I'm looking forward to, and I would say you are as well. I would would say that I am definitely looking forward to it. But yeah, I think this was a fun episode to record. Spring training is here. Thank you guys for listening, and we will talk to you next week. You can listen to the Phillies Nation podcast with Ty Daubert and Johnny Heller every Wednesday on philliesnation.com and all streaming services.